Hey, I'm Jen. In life, I've learned that adversity is a stranger to no one. The way we cope is a huge indicator of our character. We want to make choices from confidence, empowerment, and trust instead of letting our circumstances control us. Let's talk about how. This is episode X, the X Factor, Anxiety and Empowerment. Thank you for joining me. I've been looking forward to this episode ever since I started this season, so I'm glad it's happening and I'm excited to share it with you. Due to the interest of time, I will not be having any segments today. I'm already worried about how long this podcast episode will go, but I will try to make it a reasonable length. So the meaning of the X factor is a variable in a given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome. And I really liked that because if we look at anxiety as the X factor, I feel like it's a more positive term rather than labeling it as a setback or a weakness. I had a mission companion who said, in every weakness, there's something positive behind it. If you're someone who obsesses over everything, you could just say that you're very detail-oriented. You notice things. I can't remember the exact example she gave, but I really liked her positive spin on things, kind of similar to when you're in an interview and they ask you what your biggest flaws are. Anyway, I'm just trying to say that if you do have some form of anxiety, use it to your advantage. I'll also add a disclaimer here that I am no doctor, no therapist, and I do not claim to have the answers or the solutions. I'm merely sharing the feedback and the experiences of the individuals who voluntarily responded to my questions on anxiety. And again, I wanted to thank all of you who responded. There were 12 people who said they were willing to answer questions about anxiety and As I'm sharing, I may not share all of their words or everyone's answer for every single question, but I compiled them into an order that made sense to me, and I hope it will be beneficial for you. Also, I may have to do a future season on anxiety or find another prompt that elicited as many responses because I loved reading your feedback, and again, it was just so fun to hear from you and to relate to you and understand where you're coming from. So the first question that I asked was, how does anxiety affect your way of life? And of course, we know it looks different from person to person, as with many things in life. A few people mentioned time. One said it was school-based or schedule-based. Another said, I struggle with self-image and going places as the majority of my anxiety. There are certain people that trigger it more than others. My mother, my older sister, my ex-husband, because of past abuse. I don't feel good enough, strong enough, or secure enough around them. Another said, My anxiety manifests in many different ways that I never connected to anxiety, even after I was diagnosed. Racing thoughts, impatience, irritability, getting easily aggravated, restlessness, perfectionism were and are all symptoms that contribute to interrupting my desired way of life. I don't have a regular ability to take a break. I'm constantly feeling like I need to be productive, and I get antsy when I'm not. I have a running to-do list in my head that only ever grows, and interferes with my ability to focus on the present. 
and the persistent internal demand that requires things to either turn out exactly how I planned or it's not worth it makes it difficult to start or complete anything, all of which is exacerbated when I'm overstimulated. I feel like that listener touched on a lot of different parts of anxiety, different physical symptoms and things that run through our heads. Another said, for me, it mostly looks like being really nervous about anything new or uncomfortable to the point of physically shaking sometimes, picturing very vividly the worst case scenario of a situation. More recently, I started having days where I would get easily overwhelmed with my regular to-do list and would start shutting down, not feeling like doing anything besides curl up by myself. I should add here to my history with anxiety. Anxiety and depression run in my family and I'm on Lexapro for depression. I had postpartum depression after my first and I attribute that a lot to my stage of life and just the things that were going on at that time. But I still take Lexapro and I've never really noticed the anxiety portion, but I was able to relate with a lot of these things that people shared. I don't necessarily have any of the physical symptoms, but I notice things with my thoughts or other situations that might trigger it. This next person's answer was especially interesting. She said, I didn't think I dealt with anxiety until I was being treated for depression and then would look at different things that I thought were affecting my depression and realize they were actually affecting my anxiety. So she went on to share that she had a lot of irrational fears and pervasive thoughts. She went on a lot of walks, but then her walks turned negative when she started picturing dangerous things that could happen. For example, crossing over a bridge, which was always safe, and she'd have an image of her stroller getting away from her and going into the canal and her not being able to get to it before her children died. And this started happening to her more and more and so much that she didn't want to go on walks anymore. So she knew that there was a problem. So I compiled a little list You can research this a lot more, but anxiety versus depression. And anxiety can even lead to depression, so it's just all a huge thing. Anxiety tends to be fueled by fear, and depression tends to be fueled by hopelessness. And of course, there are overlaps. You can find Venn diagrams on them, but um, this proved true in the next people's responses to the question. So this person says, my anxiety influences thoughts about the future. It fuels my negative thoughts about what could go wrong for me, my family, things I'm in charge of, etc. My first reaction to most things is negative. That's depression talking too, but I'm learning that anxiety is the driving force there. And I'd heard on another podcast too that anxiety is worrying about the future and depression is worrying about the past or things that have happened to make you a certain way. The next listener writes, Not so much anymore. I used to have a lot of avoidant behaviors and then would let stuff build up, which just made it worse. I struggled with negative intrusion thoughts, and I would get really stuck on something. I worked out a lot in therapy. Another responder wrote, If I don't control it, it will control me. It affects the way I think about everything. It's a daily constant battle, arguing with the voices inside my head. 
It affects people to varying degrees and in different ways. I just want to put a plug here for thought work. With those voices inside your head, some people would say, just don't think about it. Haha, <laughs> right, that's easier said than done, huh? And thought work, as it says with the word work, takes a lot to learn and do and maintain. And with some things you'll want to work on them and others, it's not worth it. Or it would take more energy than it would to just let it pass through. But I do know that thought work can help, even if it doesn't cure it completely, it can mitigate it. Okay, two more responses for this question. In recent years, less and less in talking about anxiety affecting your way of life. As I have grown older, I feel less and less tolerance for it and recently sought pharmacological help. (laughs) It really helped. For the first time maybe ever in my adult life, I had a glimpse of what having zero anxiety felt like. I loved it. I didn't love how the medication was making me forgetful and gain weight, so I stopped, but my baseline anxiety hasn't returned to the heights I have felt. I do sometimes find myself experiencing some intense, uncontrollable sensations, but they usually subside pretty quick now. I think my life would be totally different if I hadn't had to deal with such extreme anxiety. Many of my major life choices were dictated by feeling like I couldn't handle something because of anxiety. I wish there had been intervention earlier in my life so that I would have the tools to make it through harder things I wanted to accomplish. And I really love what she says there, that she wishes she'd had intervention earlier in life. Of course, I feel sorry that she has that regret, but it's good when you can share your experience with others so that they can correct something earlier on. And of course, we all have different problems, so some things would be corrected earlier in our life and then not for others and vice versa. Okay, and the last response. I've had mild anxiety my whole life, but after baby number two, I started medication for postpartum anxiety. On medication, it hasn't affected much, except I have except I have some calming techniques I use and I have taken more time to care for myself, working out, sleeping more, and taking breaks when needed. So true. So good. We all need to take that advice. Self-care. And yes, postpartum, like I said, is a whole other category of all of this too. It's also related. Okay, on to question number two. And I asked five questions just so you know the trajectory of where this is going or how long it's going to go. So question number two was, can someone with anxiety still feel empowered? What would that look like? And everyone answered with a resounding yes. It wasn't just, yeah, they can. It was lots of exclamation points. Absolutely yes. All the things. And I totally agree. I especially liked what one person said. She said, everyone can feel empowered, mental health problems or not. I'm an advocate for normalizing mental health. Someone with a physical disability can find ways to be empowered and others might encourage that, but people get weird about mental health. So true. And we're starting to come out of that, but still, there's that stigma. Okay, and so then the rest of the answers focus on what does that look like, that anxiety and empowerment. Empowered to me would look like someone who has support, resources, and a balance in things. Amen. 
Related to intrinsic rewards, personal development, internal calm, and individual quiet inverted ways. Next, actually listening to your... Oh. (laughs) Next, this listener says, actually, listening to your podcast has done a lot to help me feel empowered. Super nice of you, thanks. (laughs) Just by taking the time to recognize and give name to what I'm feeling and analyzing my triggers is a huge step in helping me feel like I have a say in the matter and that I can control certain things and learn to deal with the things that I can't. Recognizing that even the way I think doesn't have to be that way if it's not helpful to me. And learning tools to help me regulate and adjust my thoughts so that I can find more joy in the everyday and not feel so constantly defeated. Ah, So true. Love it. 100%. And that's part of the reason I started this podcast was to spread the idea of thought work and naming the emotion and those sorts of things. Again, I learned it all from Jodi Moore and she can say who she learned it from and so on and so forth, but we're just spreading the knowledge. Next, this person says, I think you can feel empowered when you have tools to deal with it, referring to anxiety. There isn't anything wrong with you. This is just something you're struggling with, so here's some strategies to help. I love that. It's so important not to label yourself with what you struggle with. It's just something that's going on and something you can overcome or deal with. Next, this responder says, when I am able to redirect my anxious thoughts is when I feel empowered. It's hard and sometimes requires assistance, but I love how I feel when I conquer a fear or allow myself to feel happy during a stressful time. So true. Small victories, big victories. Feeling empowered is something that can be done with anxiety, but it takes a lot more work than the average person. It comes with constant self-talk because you can think one second you are going to do this and be this, and then 10 minutes later you have voices in your head telling you that you are stupid and dumb. What makes you think you could do this? So I feel like to be empowered, you have to have the daily conversation with yourself, pumping yourself up and telling yourself, I can do it. So true. We need more positive self-talk. Don't be so down on yourself. And again, thought work. I know it's not a cure-all and it doesn't replace medication, of course, but it can help. Next, being empowered doesn't mean that you have to control everything. Anxiety makes it hard to feel like you're controlling everything, but I've found that taking a breath and seeing what I can control, what I eat for lunch, how I respond to a question from one of my kids, what activity we do that day has really helped. I often try to accomplish a lot in my day, but I've had to realize that taking a step back and having a rest day is still accomplishing a lot. You have to take care of yourself mentally as well as physically. So true. These people can say it way more clearly than I can, way better than I can. So I'm so happy I did this. Okay, two more. I don't think I've ever framed my life as being someone who is disempowered, but looking back, I guess I would say I could have been more empowered if I didn't feel limited by uncontrollable breathing issues, discomfort around people, inability to understand something technical, etc. I still accomplished things. Hey, I'm alive, right? But perhaps I could have accomplished more, such as finishing academic programs, getting better job offers, succeeding in relationships. And lastly, For me, at least, anytime I push through the anxiety feelings and accomplish something that's hard for me helps me feel empowered. Oh, I can relate to that. 
sometimes you just need that momentum getting started, getting going. Okay, question number three. What do people not understand about anxiety? Has anything hurtful been said in regards to your anxiety? And I wanted to pose this question, especially for you listeners, to know how you can support those with anxiety or if there's anything that you may not know about anxiety, we can talk more about it. So first, this responder says, I feel the worst thing for me being said to me is no one cares or get over it. Well, clearly I care and I matter. And also if I could get over it, I would have figured that out by now. (laughs) It's true. Some things really can be out of your control. Next, I think so many people don't understand the vast range of anxiety. I had such mild anxiety my whole life, which just consisted of racing thoughts, trouble sleeping, and social anxiety around people. But my postpartum anxiety was more being overly stimulated all the time, feeling annoyed for no reason, and not sleeping hardly ever. My mom made a comment after telling her I started medication, saying something like, Do you really need that? And it wasn't meant to be negative, but the way she asked made it feel like she doubted me or my healthcare provider about what was helping and what was not. Next, one of the hardest things for me is when people tell you, just don't worry. If it were that easy, I would have done it forever ago. It's not something I want to slash enjoy doing. It's a legit problem in my brain. If someone had low blood sugar, you wouldn't just say, okay, tell it to be better and bam, it will be better. Their body can't fix the problem. So yes, there is medicine that will help with the anxiety, but it isn't a cure-all. Yes, it helps lessen the symptoms, but you still have to fight every day, just like diabetes. They can take medicine to help, but they have to put in the work with their eating habits to help improve it more. One thing that is really confusing to people is sometimes you have zero reason to be nervous or have no idea whatsoever why you're nervous. People always say, how do you not know? And the answer is simply, I have no idea. Sometimes I'm nervous and cannot explain why. And I think that's interesting because I had never thought of that before. I can imagine that would be frustrating when you're feeling nervous or you feel those symptoms and you're not quite sure why. Sometimes you might know your triggers. Other times it might just be that brain giving off a response and the chemicals being imbalanced or something along those lines. Okay, this next person says... I think most people don't understand the signs and symptoms of anxiety. I certainly didn't. I think people also don't recognize how many people are going through this life. How many people are going through life this way? It is many, many, many. If anyone has said anything hurtful about my anxiety, it would have been a criticism for what the anxiety dictates that I do. Next response. I think the biggest misconception, at least it was for me, is that anxiety is being afraid or panic attacks when it really encompasses so much more. Nothing has been said to me personally, but a long time ago in high school, I remember hearing someone say, in passing, not even in a conversation I was in, that anyone who brought up having issues like anxiety or depression were just doing it to get attention. So for the longest time, in addition to not fully understanding all the signs, 
I didn't want anyone to think I was just attention-seeking, and so I never discussed it with anyone. I think that the most harmful thing is talking about it lightly without any real understanding of what it entails. Next, people shouldn't feel ashamed if they need medication or other treatment. Next, comments like, just calm down or don't be stressed, is the same as telling someone with depression to just be happy. (laughs) I liked that comparison because I've heard that you know, you can't just tell someone with depression to just be happy. It's not that easy of a fix. It's uh, simplifies it way too much. So I understand that we need to be careful with our words. Even though it's not entirely our fault, we can be more sensitive in talking to others. Next, I'm a big mental illness advocate. I published a children's book on depression. This was a person who replied on Instagram she wrote the book when mommy feels sad so I see mental illness as a physical illness like asthma or allergies we see doctors take medication get therapy you would never refuse treatment for a broken leg or feel ashamed for taking insulin we need to think and talk about mental illness like we do physical illness and I've heard that before too but we're just not not all on that boat but we're getting there I haven't had anyone say anything hurtful about my anxiety. I'm pretty open about my depression and anxiety and have found that most people are really supportive. I think anxiety is really misunderstood, however. I've never had a full-on panic attack before, which is what I associated with anxiety before. I thought people with anxiety were really nervous, had lots of fears, and were introverts. While there are people who fit that description, I feel like there are more people that don't. I'm always learning more and more about my own anxiety and how it manifests. I think the biggest person who didn't understand anxiety was myself, actually. When I got to a point where I realized anxiety was starting to interfere significantly with my daily life, it actually helped a lot to finally admit that anxiety was the problem, name it, and talk about it. I think as a whole, society... I think as a whole... I think as a whole society, we are coming to better understand and accept and accommodate mental issues like anxiety. Nothing hurtful has been said to me, but I'm also relatively new to admitting that I have anxiety and haven't really talked about it with many people. It also hasn't really stopped me from doing anything I've committed to. Okay, on to question number four, and this is similar to question number three. Hopefully there will be some takeaways here in how you can support those with anxiety. So question number four, what or who has been your biggest support and why? Lots of husbands have been biggest supports. So you as a spouse can be a support. And then, of course, psychiatrists, therapists, and good friends and mothers. So we'll go through the responses. My husband is my biggest support by far. I have talked to many friends and others who struggle with depression and or anxiety, but my husband has put up with so much. He's put up with me trying to figure out what was wrong with me, as well as my continual medication struggle, trying to find the right medication and dosage. He constantly puts up with me now because even if you're on medication, it doesn't mean you're not going to get touched out or have a hard day with the kids. He has been amazing with giving me breaks or alone time when I need it, and I am so, so grateful for everything he has done for me. Another husband. All these husband shoutouts. Love it. My husband always has and always will be my biggest supporter. He was put on 
PPD, PPA, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, watch after both kids because I was so worried about struggling and not recognizing it and not doing something to help it. He always has encouraged equal childcare responsibility, letting me have breaks and nights off and checking in with me all the time. Next, my husband. He listens really well, which helps me to process my feelings. He offers a lot of reassurance even when I'm struggling. Next, having a reliable and understanding partner has helped immensely. I can call him anytime I am feeling overwhelmed and vent a little and it seems to help. Teachers I have had in my profession who have educated me about trauma and being a trauma-informed person has helped immensely too. Definitely my husband. Even with his lack of experience or knowledge of what it all is, he is constantly patient with me and recognizes, better than I do, when I need to take a step back and breathe or just take some time for myself. Okay, those are all the husband shout-outs. <laughs> Good job, husbands. My psychiatrist not only in diagnosing me, but also in asking the right questions and recognizing the signs and symptoms and knowing the appropriate medications and what to watch out for. A good therapist, which is not always easy to find, but can be a huge aid in teaching skills to implement for getting through your struggles. Helping you pinpoint triggers and root causes so that you can figure out ways to overcome them and adapt to help you lead more of the life you desire. And I had to ask this person the difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist. You know, we all need a refresher. And she said, Therapists are not qualified to handle medication. Psychiatrists are like a middle ground between primary care physicians and psychologists. They attend additional schooling on top of psychology requirements to learn the medical side and interactions with the body. So, there you go. A really good friend I met more recently who is very authentic and open to sharing her experiences. It's so nice to have someone in person go, me too, and share in the trouble, funny experiences, and hope. My biggest support for my life has been my mother. She suffers with anxiety herself, so most of what I feel, she has felt herself. So with her experience, she has taught me how to help control my anxiety through her own experience. Over the past few years, I have discovered going to actual therapy, and I can't talk highly enough about it. I honestly wish I would have gone sooner and been able to experience more of it. I wish it was more easily available to everyone. Anxiety or not, I feel like every human should go to therapy. Next, I have found great help through working through a therapist. The value of their help cannot be overstated. Next, one of my oldest best friends has actually been the biggest support. We sometimes don't talk for a long time, but when we do, we can share anything and everything. I've talked through a lot of things with her over the years. She told me about getting a therapist and some of the things she was figuring out for herself. That led me to think about things and gain the courage to discuss it with my own doctor. And then she mentions her husband, of course, has been a huge support in her life and was willing to help her try different things to help her feel better. My medication. Oftentimes, I don't feel I need it, but when I go a few days without forgetting to take it, those days are hard. Next, some things that help me are exercising, taking care 
or time for myself and spending time with my cute nieces and nephews. Kids really brighten my day because they don't have a care in the world and they think the little things are the best things. (laughs) Cute. Next. Oh, and this is the last answer for this question. I wish I could say my husband. However, he's pushy and he puts me in situations I have to deal with, causing anxiety to get worse. I don't think I have a specific person available to lift. I don't think I have a specific person available to my life that's helped me. I just know some situations require me to continue, kids mainly, so I just go from there. However, self-help books and God have been an aid to me. Okay, and the last question I'm sorry that I've been reading these a lot. I I mostly just want to quote them word for word. I've tried to add in my own thoughts here and there as well. Okay, number five. Anything else you want to share about anxiety that I haven't touched on? It is so much more than what it is stereotyped. And if you have any questions about things that are interfering with you showing up as the person you want to be, it's worth seeking help and figuring out ways to help you be the best you. Next, the little quizzes we take at our postpartum checkups never let the doctor know that I struggled with depression or anxiety. It wasn't until I had been through over a year of awful living that I took myself in and talked to my doctor. She was amazing and talked with me about all my options and helped me through getting on the right medication. I wish people knew that if you feel something isn't right, then it is better to go talk to your medical professional instead of telling yourself that your doctor didn't catch it. I can relate here. I've been taking those little quizzes because I am six weeks postpartum now. (laughs) Next I don't like feeling judged. Being in Utah County is an instant way to put me into anxiety and panic mode. It's true, we could all do a lot less judging of others. Next, I think something I didn't realize is how gradual of a process it can be. I think I've had anxiety building up for a long time before I decided to do anything about it. Also, it's a reversible process. The medication I'm taking is usually only taken for six months to one year. I'm hoping to not need it for long and be able to have better coping skills for the future. That was new to me. I didn't realize that it was reversible or that you could go off of it. I guess that makes sense, though, as with any medication or many medications. There is a great book you should check out if you haven't already, and that is What Happened to You by Bruce Perry and Oprah. It really explains how valuable it is to look at things through a trauma-informed perspective because many, if not all of us, have experienced some level of trauma in our lives. This trauma shows up in a variety of ways and asks us to be kinder, more understanding people. And that was an interesting one too, especially because I did an episode on trauma and a couple of the people that responded mentioned that their anxiety was was triggered by past trauma. And lastly... Many people mentioned normalizing the stigma again, just talking about it more, being open and aware. So I encourage you to be open and understanding and a listener to any who might open up to you or to anyone in your family that might be experiencing anxiety or, of course, anything for that matter. We could all be better humans. So 
Thank you for listening and let me know what you thought about this episode, if it was helpful, if I need to find out a different way to do it instead of reading. And I will talk to you again next week. I apologize for any editing mistakes this episode may have. I didn't dedicate a lot of time to editing just because of how long it took to record, as you might understand. And I did remember one more thing I wanted to add. (laughs) All the people who sent in responses were more than willing to answer any follow-up questions, and they seemed really happy to have participated in the experience. So again, if anyone is open about their anxiety and it sounds like many people are, it's a good thing to talk more about and to be more aware of and to lessen the stigma in our society. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. You can find me on Instagram at is4adversity or email me at genbank16 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.